Hey everybody, it is Comics on Infinite Earths, and uh, I'm Michael. On the other side is John. You might know John from previous hey. episodes. <laughs> How's it going, guys? Uh, I have an announcement to make. Um, there's a very, very big project that I want to tackle in the new year. And as you've noticed, the episodes of Comics on Infinite Earths are becoming slower and slower, and the gaps are getting larger and larger. So I am going to step down as a lead on this show. John is gracious enough to take over. Uh, hopefully it'll be more than six episodes a year because I'm a bum. <laughs> uh, yeah, I hope to do right by the show. Yeah. Um, and I know it derailed a couple times where we're just obviously doing filler, where we just talked about the Batman movies. I know. It's supposed to be about comic books. I know this. I'm sorry. I cheated. Uh, so I have planned four yeah, but... more episodes. I will be out by October. And then hopefully, I don't know if you're going to continue in November, December, or if you just want to wait to the new year, it's your call. I will hop in and out from time to time to help with episodes, stuff that I really want to discuss. But for me, I am overwhelmed. And I apologize to the fans of the show that I haven't been there. Yeah, uh, and that's the thing. It's hopefully, you know, is it? I want to do right by the show, and definitely it'll give me an opportunity to read things that I've never actually gotten around to reading so it gives me it gives me purpose in life let's just say that (laughs) the name is obviously a play on dc comics i know that we've gone heavily on dc comics and i kind of want to make up for that and you know you're very independent minded and you read pretty much everything so hopefully it'll be more expansive and mature whereas i am a lazy-minded fool who just wants to see people beat them up and speaking of that We got one of the greatest beat-up titles of all time, and we are going back to an independent title for the first time, I think in a year, since we did Saga. We are discussing Savage Dragon and the Rocketeer. Um, I forgot how much I miss Savage Dragon. I have the first collection here, and I am going to go buy the Omnibuses. You can get them really cheap. They have a shitload of uh, issues in each one. I think it's like 27 um, issues. Something like like that, yeah. Yeah, an annual, and you can get them for dirt cheap. And I am truly excited. This was my favorite comic through all the 90s. And I, I've never, up until this point, I had actually never read The Savage Dragon. Wow, okay. I knew, I knew it existed because uh, I mean, the image stuff was kind of a big deal once when it launched. Right. But it was also, there was a Saturday morning cartoon for it. That and Wildcats. And they were always so, talking about doing a movie. It was always coming up in comic scene and Wizard that it was going to be Bruce Willis. They were going to get him, and then for years, they was like talking about Dwayne Johnson doing it. I don't think it's ever going to happen. It's one of these things that's just too goofy, but it would be cool as a CGI show. Yeah, I can see that. And it's, I'll be honest, I this did not work for me. I think part of it is, in the collection that, that we have, there isn't any real, uh, they don't separate the, the issues in any way that's meaningful. So it's just kind of like, things happen and there ends up being time jumps and things like that and there's there's a lot of stuff where it got really distracting where things kind of happen but there's no context for why they're happening it's just all of a sudden there's an explosion and yeah well here's what i think it is i think eric larson didn't want to waste any time and he jumps to the action immediately. I, this is during the extreme era. How um how old were you when Image Comics debuted? 
let's see, what was that? What ninety two or yeah. so? Yeah. Like, yes, but that'd be I'd be eleven when that. Okay, when that so happened. you're the right age. I was uh fifteen. This is during the extreme era. This is when things are changing so fast. Most of the stuff from this era is embarrassing. It's really dated and silly and stupid. I think the only company that came out of this without looking stupid was DC Comics, and even they weren't at their peak because they were pulling tons of stunts. For anybody who doesn't know, yeah. we did do an Image Comics episode in the very beginning. I think it was like the third episode. Eric Larson had just come off a red-hot run of Spider-Man, and then he went off. He was on Amazing Spider-Man. They went over to Spider-Man after Todd McFarlane left, so he was one of the last Image guys to really bail. And then he went off, and he brought his whole creation from childhood, Savage Dragon, which debuted in a comic book called Vanguard, and he just got, got it together. And of all the comics that are out there from Image, they're all dead, except for Savage Dragon. And Eric Larson is still working on it. I think Spawn might be still around, but Todd no, McFarlane's... Spawn. Spawn's still going, yeah. Yeah, I think he's he's not involved at all, right? He's not, he's not drawing or anything. No, I, I think he's at least writing it. I don't know if he's drawing it, honestly. I... I see them there. They've been building up to issue number three hundred, yeah. and and isn't that shocking? That's, like, the, you would think that these comics would be long gone. Independent comics do not last very long. I think the record for the longest time was Cerebus. What was that like seventy five issues or something done by one guy? Well, Savage Dragon yeah. is I'm almost certain is up to three hundred issues, really close to it. And yet, it's always been Eric Larson. I think one issue where he was behind the schedule and he got someone to sit in that was it. And uh, yeah, if you're going to talk about something that's 100% creator-controlled, I mean, yeah, it's written, drawn, uh, inked, not colored. I'll say colored by him, but no, he does have a colorist on it. Yeah, and Chris but, yeah, uh, Elio Elopoulos or whatever has always been his letterer, and I, he was great. I love him. He did a – I can't remember the name of it, but it was a, like a Sunday comic with these two goofballs and their dog, and it only lasted like four or five – Desperate Times. It's called Desperate Times. Um I want to give a shout out to that guy because he's never going to get noticed for that because that was just a cult thing right there. But yeah, it, but yes, the Savage Dragon is definitely if you if anyone ever wanted to see what the '90s was in comics, Savage Dragon is a very good example of '90s uh, aesthetic. Yeah, because everybody's a cyborg. Uh, <laughs> it's very it's done. very R rated. Um, or just borderline. There's lots of blood. There's sex. There's cussing. People die like crazy. I mean, you think Punisher's violent? This is off the charts. They, I, like his girlfriend. He gets he gets a girlfriend at one point, and they fridge her within like three pages. Yeah. This the one thing I don't like about what Eric Larson does because I'm absolutely a huge fan of his art. It's very stylized, but. It doesn't want to make me barf like a lot of the stuff like Rob Liefeld did and McFarlane and Wills Portacio and stuff like that where it's overly stylized. It works, but it's the 90s. It's boys' comics. You want to be edgy. you got to have every character with gigantic boobs, like the size of your head yeah. boobs. But it's like one thing that very that even there with that is Savage Dragon's arms are never consistent. He His arms fluctuate from somewhat realistic proportions of like some you know like maybe like a Schwarzenegger type arm you know very obviously he's jacked yeah to like bulk arms at one point to just like I bring it up because even though I'm I never really like 
I never want to harp on art unless there's really something that bugs me because I'm not an artist. I can't stick figures for me would never be consistent. So, <laughs> so it's like if I'm noticing something that's really inconsistent, there's a there's an issue. <laughs> yeah. There was uh there was a few spinoffs of Savage Dragon, a few of his own, of course, but. There was a character named Star who shows up in this one with really long, really stupid looking hair. Hair metal! Um, who I really enjoyed, but he was clearly a Spider-Man knockoff. But here's the problem that I will say with Eric Larson. A lot of his characters are very similar to other Marvel characters. And it's hard to ignore, even though he has said, ah, oh, their own original creations. I'm like, eh, yeah, but they're really close to a lot of other characters. Yeah, that Overlord character is very much a low-rent Doctor Doom. Right. Well, Savage Dragon himself is very reminiscent of Incredible Hulk around 1990 when Peter David would combine Banner and Hulk together. Hulk was smaller, but um, he was more intelligent, and he was kind of a wise-ass. Very similar to the way Savage Dragon uh, is portrayed. Yeah, and I'll say this. There's, there is some... I, love the, I do like the writing in this, in a... Most mostly general sins because there's some very interesting uh, takes with the with the Savage Dragon character. He is pretty well developed considering that he's a guy with amnesia. Yeah, um, like dealing with the PTSD of losing his girlfriend. Like he's just drowning in depression and violence and drinking. That was an interesting yeah. take. Yeah, because that's an interesting way that because I guess what we have is like the this the mini series is what we're looking at at here like the first the little first run and then it went into a full run series yeah but it's it's an interesting way to end it where he's just kind of like yeah ptsd depressed he's just kind of sitting there in a dark room just you know completely and totally uh done with done with the world really and yeah just i just kind of sat there went well that's a way to end your book right yeah. there the uh he's so prolific with creating new villains and he'll take them out at the bat of a hat you're like just shocking because he when it comes to creating new villains he is almost as prolific as stan lee every issue has somebody new it's very uh, unique and a crazy double header is one of my favorites it's just a head stacked on top of another head that's a crazy idea <laughs> <laughs> um was it magma or something like that i thought the design work here's the other thing the design work on all the characters i think is really interesting it's kind of a throwback to kirby a little bit but with a newer edge not on a rob liefeld edge but just like the way it was designed seems more modern and uh it's just shocking that he'll just kill these guys off after all this time creating them whereas marvel you know damn well they would milk the shit out of every single character oh yeah that's no character is ever wasted they will find a reason to to use them, even if it is to have the Punisher kill them, and only then to have them come back at some point. Well, yeah, a lot of times with the Punisher, it would just be a new guy in the same costume. I don't know, heck, there's, there's an actual run of Punisher where all these people that, all these villains that he killed are brought back to life. Oh, okay, okay. So just to go and kill them again. I love, I don't know if you ever read it, the second Punisher War Journal, where it's more comical and you know, dark humor, and he takes a rocket launcher to Stilt Man and blows him in half. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, Stilt yeah, Man, that's... he sucks. He should have died a long time ago. I'm really yeah, tall. The, the, the best one and, uh, is Lady Stilt Man. 
Oh, really? Oh, okay. There was a Lady Stiltman. There's always a lady version of it. I always thought that was funny. Lady Deathstrike, Lady Deadpool, stuff like that. Um, now, are you interested in reading anything beyond this on Savage Dragon? Because I'll tell you, I read up to issue 50 or, no, maybe 75. I could assume, I I would assume that this does get better. Like, I'm, I would say this, I'm not impressed in buying it. It's like, had I paid... Well, actually, even look at the cover price. Ten bucks isn't that bad. Yeah. But I'm sitting there going, you know, it's like, I'm glad I didn't, I got it as a used blind buy purchase. Uh-huh. And it, it's like, I can, I know it has to get better because as you, as he creates the mythology for his character and the world and all that stuff. Because I thought what was kind of interesting, although a little ham-fisted, was them creating their image universe. And so you'd oh, have right. the cameos from all these characters, including a really forced one for Spawn. Oh, yeah. Well, there's also one with Bad Rock, which is kind of a throwback to the old, hey, Hawk is going to take on the thing just to have fun and bash each other. You know, It was like that with Savage Dragon, and, and he was just testing around to see if he'd be a good team member. He's like, you asshole. <laughs> you, yeah. you caused I mean, all this destruction. Why don't you just ask me to join the team? Yeah, they literally threw shade at Marvel there, too, because, like, that's what they do in Marvel Comics. <laughs> yeah, if, if you remember any of the teams, uh, Wildcats, I think, was fairly solid, which is what Bad Rock's from. Jim Lee, of course, is still a phenomenal artist. It's the other stuff. The shipping was inconsistent. The artists would just you know disappear, collect their millions, and hire somebody else to do the art for much, much cheaper. You know, Rob Liefeld did it. Wills Portacio was um, very, very far behind at all times. There was Shadowhawk. Shadowhawk was great. The problem with it was every single time it would get going, Jim Valentino would kill off that Shadowhawk and replace him again. So you had it just wasn't enough time to get used to him. It was so yeah, the costume's cool, was, but who's the man behind the costume? Yeah. Wasn't he the guy who kinda of looked like a mix between Wolverine and Shatterstar? Yeah, kind of. Well, maybe not so much Shatterstar, more uh shit, I don't want to say Darkhawk. That's, that's obscure, guys. Darkhawk. It was a short-lived yeah, thing in yeah. Marvel. <laughs> um, yeah, Savage Dragon, for me, and I want to revisit some more of it because uh, the story, the layers that he builds throughout the years just get more intricate, and, and he does stuff you never, ever expect. You know, he wipes out people that you would never expect, um, you know, and, and just takes in different directions that were unusual for comics at that time, and he, he backs off on the cliches of image comics. He backs off on the splash pages, which I always thought were lazy. Hey, instead of writing dialogue, we'll just have two pages filled with one giant guy punching another giant guy, which is essentially is just one panel, not two splash pages. I hated that bullshit. Yeah. Well, he does he does his fair share of splash pages, but they're but it, it backs off. Part. Yeah, it backs off. Like, like quite I think a... the most striking is that first panel. You know, just the Savage Dragon in the middle of a big fire. Yeah. I think that is, of everything, that is the most striking. And you, I open the book and it's just, whoa, hello. Yeah, I, uh, I'm curious to watch the cartoon again because I don't remember how closely it stuck to this. I can't imagine they killed off Super Patriot in the cartoon and turned into a crazed cyborg killer. No, I honestly, I couldn't, I would not even remember a thing about it other than it existed. Yeah. And I know I spent some of it. Because I I, re, I remember watching it. I couldn't tell you anything about it. I remember trying to watch Wildcats, but 
that did absolutely nothing for me. Yeah, it just wasn't. It was a cheap X-Men to me. Yeah, pretty much. And at that time, you had X-Men, Spider-Man, right. Batman, all that. All the good, all the quote-unquote good ones were all out, so. You know, it's funny is, I wonder if he made so much money when Savage Dragon first debuted, and that's what keeps him going, because I can't imagine selling that well, especially since comic books in general are just not selling. And this guy is on his <laughs> own. It's a title that's been around forever. I'm, I mean, I, who knows how much profit he's making off each issue, but maybe he made so much in the beginning that uh, it's carried him this whole time. Yeah. My local comic book shop doesn't carry uh, Savage Dragon, as far as I know. Wow. Maybe it's in the back issues, but I don't see any on the on the wall. It's not a wall book. It's not in the Women with the Trades, as far as I can recall. Huh. I, it's like the only way I have read Savage Dragon is from that blind buy and off Comicsology. You know, like because I've got the access to like actually the omnibus as well. Yeah, I'm gonna buy the omnibuses. They're pretty cheap, and you get so many issues. I remember making it up through like 75 or 80, and that's when I kind of just went broke and I couldn't buy comic books anymore. And I keep meaning to get back to it, and I just don't. Yeah, I, like I said, it, I think it is definitely worth. I think it would definitely be worth checking out because even then, this was what I'm looking at is a relic from like 92. Yeah. There, you know, there are a lot of not very good comics from 92 that have have moved on and become great comics. Heck, even like just starting out in 92, like X-Force. X-Force wasn't very good when it started, but you know, it's like very early on in its run, it just kind of figured out what it wanted to be and started becoming good. I'm looking it's, at, you know, yeah, uh, I don't know. It just seemed like an era that was more like about the art than the story, and I think that's why, or, or spectacle, or uh, glow-in-the-dark foil covers, you know, that kind of bullshit. Let's kill off yeah. a character and make a major event out of it. I'm like, well, okay. what is the story any good? Oh, all right. Oh, it doesn't matter. We just sell units, not yeah, uh, yeah. sell stories. It was all speculation. These stupid douchebags would buy 50 copies of each comic thinking it was going to be worth a crap ton, and then they'd dump it because they bought too many. I'm I am one of those uh, idiots. Uh, no, you, you within, really with, no, recently, within recently, uh, only because, and I hate myself for this. Rob Liefeld seems to be the guy who creates everyone's favorite characters, and he did a series recently called Major X. I own the first issue of Major X only because, for some reason, I have a feeling that whatever happens in 20 years, everyone will want this character. Wow, okay. It's a shitty, it's a shitty comic. I, from what I understand, the, the series as a whole isn't bad, but that first issue bites. <laughs> I can't, I can't, yeah, I, me, I'm not on board with Rob Liefeld at all. I can't stand him. No, it's, it is. I will say this: it very much feels like it was a comic that fell directly out of the '90s and right into uh, 2019. Wow. Well, we are in it, 90s nostalgia right now, so it's perfect that we're even discussing this. Yeah. Uh, as I said, I hate myself for it, but at least I consciously went into it going, this is probably not going to be worth anything. Yeah. But damn it, Liefeld seems to be the guy who makes all the things that people want. <laughs> I believe that Eric Larson is the very first person to go back to Marvel. If I remember correctly, around 98 or 99. And I... He wanted to do it anyway, but I think it was also to supplement, like, doing some spinoffs and stuff like that. 
and this is before he became like the CEO of Image, uh, he did a really excellent series for Marvel called Nova. Of course, the classic character, but he did his own take on yeah. it. I think he might have done New Warriors and a little bit of Spider-Man, and then he was like, you know what, I'm done with the corporate stuff. I'm just going to go back and do my thing. Well, that's the thing, is you do kind of like the, uh, uh, oh, God, what's that director? Uh, Soddenberg. It's you do one for them, you do one for you. Right. So he goes, you know, goes back. He can uh, go back to the corporate culture. He makes money, as well, or at least uh, can do a nest egg a little bit so they can go back then and work more on his creative control yeah, well, I mean, so he was like, also CEO of Image for a long time. Image was run by Jim Valentino for a while, and Valentino wasn't looking for quality. He was looking more for, you know, just wide variety of crazy things, but he wasn't really focused on story. It was more about getting, hey, let's get this comic published. They'll license out our name or their label. They'll rent our printers or whatever. I don't know how it works exactly. But it was damaging sales, and everything was falling apart, and then he got voted out. That's when Eric Larson took over. And he is responsible for getting Walking Dead made, and that's basically like their biggest thing. Robert Kirkman was brought over by Eric Larson, and then Robert Kirkman now runs Image. Yeah, and that's I think that was the better was the better step. Instead of trying to create your yet another universe, you just create a uh, haven like Vertigo for yeah. creator. Well, it's uh, also like he, I think Valentino was about quantity, not quality. Yeah, you kind of just throw out as much as you can, and at some point, you know, hopefully they'll sell enough to uh, to warrant something. Yeah. Or, you know, throw whatever idea you can at the wall and see what sticks. The uh, There were a couple other spin-offs I want to mention real quick, because I bought all these things. I mean, I was crazy about Savage Dragon. Uh, Vanguard, which was a character in the 80s that uh, Savage Dragon was born out of, that was a fun series. Freak Force, which I owned all of those. Uh, previously mentioned Star. There were Super Patriot spinoffs. Um, God, there was another one. I want to say it was like the two. Oh, a Deadly Duo. It was the Deadly Duo. Those two douchebag idiots. They had a miniseries. I am actually surprised that there was never a video game of this because this seems like a fun beat 'em up kind of. Oh, uh, like this. Super this would have been thing. perfect for a, Yeah, this would have been perfect for a side scroller beat 'em up. Yeah. Just. I mean, yeah. There's. Well, granted, you would have to have at least two characters, and does Savage Dragon have a partner later on that would have worked for that, or would that have been a little too late, like closer, like, say, something they would have debuted before 95? Well, he had side characters that could have helped out maybe on each stage. He could have got help from Star on one stage, and he was, he dated that one girl from Freak Force. I can't remember her name. Uh... I don't want to give away anything. I'm trying to. I'm trying to be quiet about this without ruining it for you. But he he could have like, what are we talking about? We're talking hypothetically a game that we can never make. What the fuck are we doing? Exactly. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, well, no, we could still make it. You get go to Eric Larson and say, hey, we uh, you know obviously we'll have to meet a programmer, but yeah, programmer like a retro style 16-bit uh, bash, you know, side-scrolling beat 'em up. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So if we are pitching that, Eric Larson. Um, I say each layer, or each layer, each level, he has a different sidekick hop in to help him for a little bit. Like, they're required. You have to team up with them in order to beat the levels. Like, maybe the first three levels is just Savage Dragon, but then after that you have to get a character. You have, you have to choose the right character, because they'll have different skills. Okay. That, 
And that definitely uh, works for the modern day thing because, yeah, in 16-bit time, that wouldn't you couldn't really have gotten that to work. No. But nowadays, yeah. The uh, the one comic book that did get a video game that sucked total fucking ass was The Rocketeer, which is our second book. And I gotta tell you, I, I, it's not it's nothing original. I'm saying, but man, video game movies or video games based on movies back in that era were just the worst. Ugh. Yeah, pretty much. You know, actually, heck, they're pretty much still the uh, bottom of the barrel type games, even though they don't really do them as much anymore. I'm gonna look this up. I want to know if there was ever but, a Savage Dragon well, game ever in development. It feel yeah, it feels like there should have been. But I'll say this, at least while you're doing that, I loved reading The Rocketeer. It, it hits all the, all the sorts of nostalgia things that I had as a kid because my dad was very much into the, into the old serials. I mean, I grew up listening to The Shadow. I, Rocketeer is still one of my favorite movies of all time. Uh, it's, everything about it hits the right levels for me, and especially now having read the comic, I understand, one, why the film was good, and two, why the film definitely needed to kind of smooth over some of the edges that the comic has. Because the comic, yeah, Cliff is less, uh, is more of a complete and total dick in this one than yeah, he is in the I, movie. I, I've read the comic book a couple times, and frankly, I'm going to stick with the movie. I prefer the movie. I think they lock down the characters better. The action is better. The villains are more expansive. The story just seems so simple. But let's be fair. Uh, oh, shit. Who created this again? God damn it. I, I left the comic. Oh, uh, Dave Stevens. Dave Stevens, who, who passed away. I left the comic in the other room. Um, I thought I remembered everything. Meh. Uh, no, there was never a Savage Dragon game. They never even developed one, so I just want to check that. But yeah, um, The Rocketeer is my flat-out favorite comic book movie. Yes, there's been like 90 of them since. Yes, Marvel's put everything on the planet towards it. Uh, While watching Iron Man, I go, this movie's great. It's just a slightly more expensive version of Rocketeer. (laughs) Well, well, that's when when they did uh, the first Captain America movie, and you had Joe Johnson direct him going, yes, that makes sense. He made The Rocketeer. Yeah. He knows. He he lives, breathes this shit, apparently, because both those films are great and feel like they dropped out of that time period. Yeah, there was that time period, and me and Andrew did an episode called Pulp Heroes of Video Night. You know the era right after Batman, where they started making all these retro superheroes? And people think that after Superman they started making them. But if you look, they were not making superhero movies. They were making comic strip movies. And that's how they approached Superman in a campy... This is a comic book, but it's also a comic strip, and it's a cartoon and a TV show, you know, that kind of level. So, you know, they made Annie and Popeye and stuff like that. But it was after Batman is when they started looking at the pulp heroes. Yes, most of them are still comic strips again. That's so weird, right? Yeah, because you had the Phantom, you had the Shadow, uh, Dick Tracy, of course, being Dick Tracy, yes. And... Also, all those films are good. I mean, I know I know a lot of people seem to hate on Shadow and Phantom, but they're both exactly what yeah, it's they, what you expect. That I could be. Yeah. The uh, the Rocketeer is interesting because, like you know, we said it was a short-lived uh, series, only five issues. I'm not even sure if they were even full issues. I think they were part of something else, and they kept going from company to company, and it took forever to get it, all five stories finished. 
but it also has a little bit of a comic strip quality, you know, like the Phantom or Prince Valiant, something like that. It doesn't really look like a comic book from its time period. It looks so much better. Yes. Well, uh, I was thinking about it, and I guess this might, again, be not an, not an artist or even all of that knowledgeable of so much art, but one thing I did notice was, like, to me, I went, there's very much some of that Norman Rockwell Americana. Yes. In how he draws everything. And, I mean, and he's got the pinup art because you have Betty, who's very much, is not supposed to be Betty Page, but it's Betty Page. Page. Yeah. And I have to say, the stuff with uh, those art photos uh, wow. segments. Woo! Yeah. I mean... That's, that's the thing where we're talking about big tits and all that stuff and, like, the sexuality of comic, of, like, superhero comics and stuff like that. And, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, oh, yeah, that's, you know, a nice butt shot and things like that in a lot of these comics. No, these are genuinely hot images. Like, yeah. Like, like probably probably uh, drawn from from various uh, actual pinups. Uh, yeah, I can imagine... This, if it wasn't produced by Disney, that Jennifer Connelly would have probably pulled off some of that risque stuff because she didn't shy away from it. Yeah. And, yeah, it's, like, the the comic, basically, the film film does essentially follow a lot of what the co- is in the comic. Yeah. It's most of the same beats, you just don't have a main villain like, uh, like our villain in the film. So it's just kind of him doing adventures as the, as the Rocketeer. And then, well, it just seems more epic. The way that Joe Johnston filmed it, the way the guys wrote it, um, it has an Indiana Jones feel to it. So it has that serial kind of build up every 15 minutes. These epic shots. It's, it's um, Joe Johnston worked with Lucas and Spielberg, and I, he picked up those skills with you know you see in Honey I Shrunk the Kids, but you see it full force in Rocketeer. He is creating these huge iconic imagery. I remember. Seeing the posters for this, which is still the best superhero poster I've ever seen in my life, that silver oh, one where he's shooting yes. the Art Deco one. Yeah. But do you remember the trailers? Like they show him on top of the the dog diner, whatever, and the lights flashing over and the flags behind him, and they're like the well, Rocketeer, well, that, the Rocka who? Well, that, and, well, no, the the, uh, the one the big iconic shot from that trailer is the one where he's on uh, on the observatory in California. Why I can't why can't I remember the name of that? The damn observatory. Oh, the one from uh, yeah, like, uh, all the movies, like they show Bowfinger and Rebel Without a Cause. Yeah, yeah. I for some, I I'm a bad former Californian. I can't remember the damn name of that place. Uh, but yes, that yes, all those shots yes are very much larger than life and huge, and you get bits and pieces of that in this comic. I mean, it's very much it's not a Sin City level of devotion to the images, but there's a lot of what what Stevens puts into this uh, into this comic that ended up on that screen. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's also they picked the the correct writers. Danny Bilson and Paul DeMio were with Empire Pictures for years, and they wrote a bunch of fun, campy stuff. They did Trancers and Zone Troopers, Eliminators, which are basically low budget comic book movies. And they also did the Flash TV show from 1990, which is a heavy uh, similarity in its style. Yeah, but that's also in within that time of the '90s. There was a little bit of resurgence of Art Deco yeah. style. I mean, you kind of see it. I think it. Want, I want to say it starts in the late '70s is when we started having. It's usually how nostalgia works. There's usually like a 25 to 30 year cycle before everybody goes crazy for it again. 
and you had like 1941 and, and, and stuff around that time period that was reflective on the 40s and 50s. And that just kind of exploded in the late 80s, whatever, where we're starting to get, you know, zoot suits and stuff like that and swing and uh, uh, lounge lizards, that, that kind of attitude was coming about. And then, you know, the big art deco explosion of the late 80s. And Rocketeer is right there at the center of that huge resurgence. Yeah. Oh, one thing I, with the art, I definitely was uh, noticing this, and I really wonder, I, I wonder if there's a, somewhere in an interview, somewhere with them, they, they go to the, uh, they talk about what's Cliff's time at the, uh, at the traveling circus, and you have the freak show stuff. And I really wonder if some of that was based off off the movie Freaks, because you have the uh, the kind of the pinhead type character, who looks very much like the uh, the people from the film. Yeah, I can see that as influence. He he really pulled a lot of stuff from his youth into this, and as far as I can tell, this is the only thing that Dave Stevens created uh, in this medium. He was more of a fine artist, and it's just it's sad that he died so young and he wasn't able to give us. You know more work uh, yes the rocketeer has continued his uh, family license out the rights and they, it's just not as good I, I i read them the hollywood horror looks so cartoonish it looks like a saturday morning cartoon it looks like it just doesn't look the same you have to have that style of art yeah there was there was one that uh i i couldn't tell you which one it is from idw i had downloaded it uh through comiXology and i liked it but it was very much it didn't have the same feel to it though like and i would have to go and try and find it at this point it it was good but not great yeah it's just sad there was never a sequel to this it just didn't make a ton of money i think people were kind of disappointed by you know oh this is gonna be the big summer release the same thing happened the year before with dick tracy they put a gazillion dollars in promoting it it costs like $65, 70000000 million and only made like 100 And Disney was like, ugh, deflated. And then the Rocketeer doesn't even make a profit. It ends up the same like as what it cost. And I kept thinking, well, maybe video will revive it, and they'll maybe do a direct-to-video sequel or something. I kept expecting the son of I keep, Rocketeer. I keep hearing that there's a thing called Rocketeers that, that they want to make where it's uh, a black uh, woman uh, pilot. Yeah. And... It, like I think the last time anything about that was even mentioned was like in 2016. Well, right here I have, it was announced on July 28th, Disney Junior has released a new trailer for The Rocketeer, an upcoming animated adventure series which is inspired by Dave Stevens' comic. Uh, Kit Secord is the daughter of Kyle Secord, and she is in line to inherit the rocket pack wearing superhero who can fly. Uh, takes on the sky. So I guess it must be set in like the 60s. Okay, because I'm suddenly going, going, uh, oh no, because yeah, they did change this name for the film, didn't, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, you know what, this might not actually be a sequel. It says inspired by, but it says it's her dog Butch and her airplane mechanic grandfather Ambrose Secord. So PV is hmm. not part of it, so I wonder if they're reinterpreting the whole concept, which I'm not sure I'm a fan yeah, of. It should have been set in the 60s. Well, and had his kid. Yeah, well, that's why that's why I had heard was with this, mm. the the Rocketeers was going to be kind of a reboot slash sequel where it acknowledges the existence of the original film, but it was essentially its own 
its own uh, storyline and its own existence. But yeah, I mean, I'll I'll be game for anything if it's done well. It also says IDW is launching the Rocketeer Reborn from the writers of Star Wars Adventures and artist Javier Polito from Hawkeye. Okay. That'll be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> I like, oh, it's, I like it's, the it's set now, art. though. It's set in current times. Yuck. Oh. Uh, I don't know about that. All right, yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting a little less, little less interested now. Yeah. It says eight years have passed since you know the the one thing that the movie does get also that the comic is hard to translate is the the chemistry between um, PV and Kyle. Kyle, am I saying the right name? That's not the right name, is it? No, Cliff. Cliff Secord. The there's an actor named Kyle Secord, I think, <laughs> and I just got distracted. Um, I just love watching those two work together. Of course, I just love Alan Arkin. I think he's absolutely amazing. Yeah, and and that's the thing. It's like you had a relative newcomer with uh, Billy Campbell. I mean, he had been on a few things. I think yeah, he was, on, he was in a, he was a really good. After. He was in a really good TV show for a couple seasons called Crime Story, which was uh, after Michael Mann and Anthony Yerkovich left Miami Vice. They went on to create uh, Crime Story, which is set in the fifties and taking on the mob. Um, only lasted two seasons, and when they got canceled, I think is when he got cast in this. And the sad part is, he really didn't get a whole lot of work after Rocketeer. It's as if they just... This is what they used to do with superhero people, though. They used to throw them away. If the movie didn't do very successful, who needed them? Toss them out. Move on. Which is which is a shame, because this seems to happen with a lot of people like that, who, genu- who kind of show up in these time... You know, these old time period pieces, and they were... They work. They they basically do feel like good leading men for that. And then yeah, nothing ever really happens to them. I actually feel kind of bad for Army Hammer. I think the Lone Ranger film is a mess. Yeah, but, but I no, think, I think he he's had great. a resurgence because he was smart and embraced really good independent movies. Yeah, but he's like, I felt in watching that film, I'm going, that's a guy who should be the lead of like something better. Well, you know, <laughs> he was almost Batman. He was still, he, he got cast yeah, no. as Batman. Which really makes me feel bad because I want to see that version of uh, Justice League now. Yeah, oh, yeah, especially since I, I mean, especially George Miller's too. Well, let's think about this. Version, I let's go off on a tangent here. Let's think about the people who have been in these kind of movies and what the, you know, they threw away Sam Jones after Flash Gordon. And by the way, none of these things are the actor's fault. It's usually the, re- the we discover these movies are great later. The audience reaction is just meh. So the studios don't want them anymore. Clinton Pillsbury or Spillsbury. Who played Legend of Lone Ranger, which was expected to be a big hit and totally tanked. That is the only movie he's ever been in. Well, you have uh, Billy Zane, right? who uh, is, is extremely charming. I mean, again, you don't have to like the Phantom film, but you can't argue that Billy Zane is not charming as shit in that movie. Almost went to Bruce Campbell. It was, uh, it was, almost, uh, it was pretty much a tie there. Yeah, and... As much as I would have loved to see that, I do, I and I love Bruce, but uh, Billy Zane was a much better choice. Well, Billy Zane has more of an exotic feel, which is necessary for a character that's in the African jungle. I don't think Bruce could have pulled that off. No, no, no. He, he would just have been smarmy, and, like, Bruce Campbell does very much feel like he belongs, like, hell, uh, Hudsucker Proxy is, he's perfect in that. Yeah, he, as a heel. He needs... Yeah, he needs to be more 
yeah, in kind of films like that. He needs to exist in like a 1920s, 30s world. Yeah, and that's why Briscoe County works so well. But what I was thinking is, you have to be an established star already in order for it to work. Batman with Michael Keaton, The Shadow with Alec Baldwin, it didn't really damage any of their careers. Dick Tracy, Warren Beatty, you know. But if you're a nobody and you come out and just star in these movies, and the studio is more than happy to go, well, next. Yeah, it. that's the unfortunate thing. And hard because some of these ones could have just worked on TV anyway. Maybe not The Rocketeer, but... You know, you could have done some of these things as a... Like, there could have been a shadow TV show. Oh, totally. There should still be. I can't believe there hasn't been. Or why isn't Dick Tracy a TV show? That seems perfect for, like, HBO. Um, what was the other one I was thinking of? Uh, the Spirit. Have you ever seen the oh, pilot yeah. movie with Sam Jones? No, I've never seen that one. Now, that one's pretty good. It's so much closer to the actual comics. That fucking piece of garbage that... Frank Miller directed? Ugh, I feel sorry for the kid that was in that. He got thrown away too. He's yeah. on suits, mind you. He's he's been on suits for like eight years, so he at least he has a job. He, yeah, he's he's bounced back at least somewhat to get a you know, have a long a long job. Yeah, Brandon Routh after Superman. Done. Which and he and I think he was fine too. Like the the film wasn't good. Yeah, but, but they are Brandon good Walt in their was... roles. And that's the thing that bothers me yeah. is it seems like the studio blames the actor and not the director. Oh, just just for a, a tangent on a tangent, uh, Brandon Ralph, did you see Dylan Dog? Uh, yes, I did. I love him in that. That is, That was so good. Yeah, I'm thinking of re- revisiting that one because I feel like there's a lot of movies you could discuss that are based on independent comics you know nothing from marvel or dc stuff that you wouldn't expect to be based on a comic you know like time cop and road to perdition ghost world yeah red men in black stuff like that exactly yeah there's there's a lot out there a lot of stuff that we love is actually based off comics and no one really seems to think about that yeah uh, the mask i don't think people think that that's based on a comic book it is yeah nowhere near nothing like the comic book but <laughs> you know what's weird as I used to live a block away from Dark Horse Comics, and at their headquarters, they have a huge window display of all their famous characters. And yet, I see Aliens, I see Predator, I see Star Wars, I see no Hellboy, I see no Time Cop, I see no Mask. What the fuck? They easily could have put a Hellboy on their roof, staring off like a gargoyle onto the city. So, just what yeah, are you thinking? Exactly. Hellboy surprised Time Cop doesn't. I'll be honest, Time Cop doesn't surprise me at all. That's true. It's so obscure. The mask, it was a big hit. But mask surprises. But yeah, Hellboy especially. That I'm kind of shocked at that one. Why don't they have statues of mystery men? <laughs> uh, I love that movie, but no. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do an episode about mystery men and the specials because they're so similar in their plot yet so wildly different in their execution, I can't find the specials anywhere. I have it. I own it. <clears throat> can, you, can, you, can you save it on your computer? And turn, 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 turn. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what can we'll That see was what subtle. I think we just got... We're going to get arrested. Um, <laughs> the uh, <laughs> no. Okay, so we've actually gone longer than I expected on this one, but... Uh, the next episode I'm doing is about X-Men in the 80s with my friend Ken Reed. 
Going to do one about uh, martial arts comics throughout the decades, starting with Shang-Chi, doing Richard Dragon, the Kung Fu Fighter, Way of the Rat from Cross-Gen Comics. Uh, I think, I think yeah, we're going to do that one. Then, did I send you Captain Canuck? Yes, you did. Yes, you did. And I would love to do Alpha Flight and Captain Canuck because those are basically the only Canadian superheroes anybody's ever heard of. <laughs> Yeah, I can do that. And, uh, right. yeah, I think that'll be it for me for the rest of the year. And then though, there are stories I definitely want to discuss down the road. I want to do Kingdom Come, uh, Marvels. Um, what are some of the ideas that you're thinking of? Uh, I actually would love to, uh, once it's, I guess once it's actually done, I would love to talk about uh, House of X and Powers of X. Because, oh. I mean, just the second issue of House of X is one of those things where you go like, you know, people talk about, oh yeah, we're gonna drop a bomb on you uh, about something. Yeah. And usually it's kind of like, yeah, okay, yeah, that was kind of a surprising thing. It's like, no, this actually kind of fundamentally changes X Men completely. That's cool. I've been reading Iceman lately, and I'm actually uh, surprised at how good it is, um, because Iceman's always been one that's hard to pin down, even though he's my favorite X Men. It does seem like he only works when he's part of the X-Men, but this guy, I, I can't remember his name, but he did a really good job with it uh, in the recent series. And uh, Nightcrawler, um, that's another one of my favorite X-Men. I would love to discuss the uh, the miniseries from the, I want to say it was like 2004, where it's really dark and complex, and he goes to Europe to solve a mystery. It's more like a swashbuckling detective. It's pretty cool. Nightcrawler is such a great character. Uh, I love him so much. Avengers Disassembled um, is one of the greatest storylines I would love to discuss. Well, if you do that, then you should definitely pair it with House of M. Uh, we did that's... actually House of M uh, three years ago, I think. Okay. Yeah, we should have done it in order. I know this. But for some reason, I couldn't. I could not at the time get anybody to do Avengers Disassembled with me. I'm like, ah, fuck it. Let's just do House of M. I'll come back later. Yeah, because that it's those are two storylines that very much have kind of have to exist together. Yeah, totally. Be- um, the la- oh no, I totally forgot. On Tuesday, I am recording uh, the new Teen Titans run from the early '80s. Uh, George Perez and Marv Wolfman were working on. I forgot that was epic. I I don't know if you ever read New Teen Titans, but I read, it- I've read some of it. I I finally got around to seeing. Uh, really reading Judas Contract oh, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, one of the collections right after that. The uh, TV the show is a big bag of ass. I fucking hate it. The live action one? Oh, God. I, yeah, I couldn't get into it. I, I just want my, my old, uh, old Teen Titans cartoon. Okay, I think we've padded this enough. <laughs> Alright, so where can we hit you up on Twitter? I am at musician, M-Y-U-Z-I-S-H-I-O-N. All right, and we are on Facebook under Back in Tunes. That's where you'll find all the episodes of that show and comics on Infinite Earths. And uh, he has been filling in this summer the uh, Anime Blast, the summer of anime. Um, We've done, what, four or five now? Uh, Four or five of them. Uh, Most recent one's Sailor Boon. And we're going to be getting on a couple couple more for for the rest of the summer and then take a break. Get uh, be able to do some uh, deep dives. Yeah, and then of course uh, during the fall, I mean that's how it should work. Maybe comics on Infinite Earths during the, uh, you know, the fall and winter, and cartoons during spring and summer. 
that could be good. Be a, keep away from not getting burned out on anything. Totally. Yeah, it's your call. Um, like I said, I have this huge project. I can't announce it yet. Uh, it's going to take two years to do. Uh, it's a spinoff of Video Night, and um, I, I'm very, very excited about it, but it's going to take a lot of work. Dude, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah, it's, it's all about the Pauly Shore movies, and it's a six part on each movie. <laughs> <laughs> In the Army Now, and its relevance to our society. <laughs> oh, it. It pro- that thing is, it probably is far more relevant today than it was. It actually game. probably is. I jokingly did that, but um, there is uh, one episode I want to mention real quick of Video Night that I would like to do before I go off and focus on the spinoff, though. And I want to offer it to you first. 70s Dystopia. Hmm. We're talking Omega okay. Man. We're talking Soylent Green, Damnation Alley, uh, Logan's Run, shit like that. God, it's been forever since I've seen Logan's run. I need to see that again. So I think I'd probably be down. Cool. I don't know why I offered it on the air. What if he had said no? It'd be so awkward. I feel like he only said yes because we're live in front of audience. And it's it's like the way you like propose to somebody at a restaurant. <laughs> you don't say no because you look like an asshole then. You're like, oh, fuck, everybody's looking at me. Yes, I'll well, do the seventies dystopia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm down on one knee, John. Mostly because I tripped. <laughs> All right, I am literally sitting here with a microphone cord around my face like a giant mustache, and uh, I think maybe I'm tired and I should go. <laughs> Get a little loopy now. <laughs> yeah, this is ridiculous. I'm going to take a picture of this and uh, post it. All right, everybody. Uh, like I said, uh, Facebook under uh, Back in Tunes, uh, him on Twitter. I, I'm on Twitter, but I don't really do much. I, I just comment, go, yay. <laughs> Click hard. That's it. Bye. Yeah, it's mostly me. <laughs> Bye.